We are in 1 Peter chapter 2 dealing with the theme of living in a crisis. And I'll perhaps say this more than once, but the word crisis from the Greek means decision. So the key to living in a crisis is to make decisions, to continually make decisions according to the word of God. Amen. You know, if we don't make decisions, someone will make a decision for us. And guess what? Not making a decision is make, I'm not filing my taxes. I'm just not making a decision. That's a decision. Okay. The government will be contacting you at a later date. Right. So when my daughter was about two, now, I don't know if anyone knows this about kids. So she was in the other room and when things are quiet, when things are noisy, good. When things are quiet, you begin to get suspicious as a parent. So a little while later, I went over and I found her eating things. And, you know, some things kids are not supposed to eat. So just to be safe, we took her to the doctor. Not exactly sure what she ate. But uh, the doctor said, well, did you find any packages? Were you, you know, are you concerned? I said, well, I, I found a couple things, doctor. There was like a half-eaten yeast packet. And she had like a finger groove in the shoe polish. So I said, sir, do you know what could happen to her the next day, like tomorrow? And the doctor says, well, most likely she will rise and shine. (laughs) (laughs) You lied, preacher. It was a joke. (laughs) Living in a crisis, the Greek word for decisions. We need to make decisions in the crisis. And, and, Unfortunately, I would, I would just like to say, man, I wish that everything worked out for everybody, but some things uh, we need to work out. And the Bible even says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, to make decisions. And there's three repeated themes in 1 Peter chapter 2. So that we have salvation, submission, and part of a crisis, suffering. So these three, these three different I said, preacher, but I don't want to suffer. Neither do I. But we all face things in life. It's what we do with it. We're all going to face unpleasant circumstances, no matter where you are. So we might as well learn to live a victorious life through it. So verses 1 to 10. Living in a crisis. What's the word crisis mean? Decision. It's a decision to grow spiritually. Verses 1 to 10. We have to make a decision to grow. The Bible says, wherefore, laying aside all malice, which is evil, and all guile, which is trickery, and hypocrisies, fake acting, envies, that means feeling ill at the blessing of somebody else. That's why people who are green with envy, because they're sick, right? It's not Omicron, it's envy, right? And... I was talking to a lady. She said she had COVID. I said, which kind? You know, Delta, Omicron. I said, I call it Omicron, but it's Omicron or something. I don't even know how to say it. She goes, oh, it was Omicron. You know, it's like, what kind of COVID do you have, right? It's like, what flavor, right? Spicy, medium, or mild, right? I think Omicron, for a lot of people, thank God, it's more mild. So, and all evil speakings. That, you know, brethren, if you go on the comments section... To speak evil of someone, it's called defamation, okay? They actually sue people for it, but that's what evil speaking is. Christians don't do that. Whether, whether it's in public or whether it's on the comment section, 
God said, lay that aside, okay? If you're going to make a comment, make a blessing. You know, invite someone to church. But it says, lay aside. What is that? Isn't it interesting? The first thing, make a decision. We have a decision to just put something aside. I remember when I got back on a ship from being in Somalia, the first decision that we all made, we realized we stank. And we made a decision before we even ate. We wanted to get those nasty clothes off and get cleaned up. We made a decision to lay aside all this stuff. You know, when you come into an environment with God and you realize there's things that stink in our lives, let's just get rid of those things. Let's make a decision to grow spiritually. And, well, what do you want instead? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is what we need. We need love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Temperance. The Bible said there's no law against those things. Those are a blessing. Man, the world would be filled with those. Uh, someone said this, don't you wish everyone was a Christian? And they got all the people fired up, and then they said, just like you. And then it was a little bit more quiet, right? It's time for everyone to grow. The Bible says in everything, we have a choice when we go through something, and how, uh, not in what happens to us, but how we react to what we're going through. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. Not for everything. Like I, you know, get that extra bill and you're like, oh, a bill. But you can be thankful even though you got the bill. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I, I like someone, this lady said about money. She said, save some, spend some, give some, and give thanks. And I was like, man, that is the nicest way of putting that. It's just an attitude. Say, well, God doesn't care how we give. <laughs> Does not the Bible say that God loves a... Sure. He does care how we give. They say, well, preacher, but I'm going through something. Well, I'm going through something too. But I remember this little kid, uh, they would wait for the offering to come by, and it was like a video game, and then boom, they would, it, was like a, it was exciting to them. And you know what? But they're not going, kids go through stuff just like adults. But we can make a, ch a choice, a decision to be cheerful. Uh, so marriage is not primarily a relationship of emotions. Oh, there can be emotions, but that's not what drives a good marriage, okay? But decisions. Decisions. So, when you got your driver's license on the day you passed your test, you're 16 years old, you're fully licensed, but could you really drive? No, no, right? You learn to drive after you get your license. The day you got married, you were fully licensed to be married, right? Fully licensed. <clears throat> you did not know what it meant to be married. <laughs> what were you doing? It was time to make a decision to grow spiritually in COVID and in health, right? You know, you got to do all of these other things. As newborn babes, verse 2. And really, that's, that's what we make up in our mind. And, and I'm thankful I've never made a mistake if you just ask me, right? But then you get married and you found out you, you have. You've got, you've got things to work on. Man, I thought I was in better shape, right? But when you get saved, God begins to give you things to work on. As newborn babes, verse 2. That doesn't mean an attractive woman. That means a baby. As newborn babes, as a baby. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A desire, it doesn't say 
read your Bible, it says desire it. And it's all babies want, right? They want, I remember we saw these baby birds and, uh, and a nest. Maybe they had fallen on the ground or something like that. But I got close to the birds and they just, they lifted up their, their, their faces to the sky and had their mouth open. And they were waiting for mama to come and bring a worm. And that's all they did. I mean, I was not mama. I mean, I was slightly bigger than mama, but that was all they wanted. You just see the, they came straight up there and their mouth came open. That was their desire. They were probably hungry. And desire will determine our spiritual direction and it will determine our development. Now, the first thing about my daughter and it was a joke. We did not catch her eating yeast and shoe polish. That was a joke. But she would rise and shine, right? But when you take your child in to the doctor, one of the things they check is they check their height and they put them on the scale, right? They check their weight. Well, spiritually, we grow our height and weight spiritually. So this is about growing spiritually. And I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to try to get all chapter two done because I want you to understand some of these things. We, we, we need to grow spiritually and you say well where's the the scale god has a scale but you know that other people will see our development spiritually we grow um so who's bigger david or goliath david goliath. Oh, well, spiritually david. yes and yes Goliath was much taller. David was bigger spiritually. How tall was Goliath? Well, he was six cubits in a span. So a cubit is an ancient measurement. No one really knows, okay? If someone's an expert on the internet, help me out. But I've done some research. So a cubit is, it means it's cubitum from Latin, your elbow. It means elbow. From your elbow to your, your end of your finger. That's the measurement. So they would have these rulers, these sticks, and they were really from the ruler, okay? The ruler, the king, their measurement probably, you know, and if they were like a little guy, they would probably have a bigger measurement, right? It's like, oh no, that's the real measurement. And it's like a five foot ruler and some big, huge, but anyway. So it was a measurement that they used. It was an ancient measurement. So when Noah built the ark, the cubit was probably based upon his cubit. Who knew? Okay. So my point is, I don't know exactly how tall Goliath was. No one does. Okay. There's all kinds of things. But my, my cubit's about 18 inches. A span is the distance between your thumb and your pinky spread out. Okay. Mine's about eight inches. According to me, Goliath was about nine and a half feet tall. Big guy. So if David is like 5'7", Goliath is like four feet taller. I mean, he, Goliath would have a hard time. He'd be, you know, we could have him insulate up here. I mean, he could just reach up, right? He would, be, he would be drafted in the NBA, okay? But he was a big fellow. But uh, notice what David said. He said in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. I see your exterior. You're big. And it gives the weight of different things that Goliath has. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, 
whom thou hast divided. The Bible says that David wasn't looking at the height of Goliath. David was looking at how big God was. David was bigger spiritually, although Goliath was a lot bigger. And I'm saying that because we can develop, you know, you're going to grow up about as big as you are. You know, that's your outside. But you can be powerful in your life if you continue to make decisions to grow spiritually as we're reading in Peter here. So, uh, there was someone that was quoted. It was a con man, okay? He conned thousands of people out of millions of dollars in Florida. <laughs> and he went to jail and wrote a book, which is what he... It's called Con Man or Saint. His name is John Frasca. And he said, after conning thousands of people out of millions of dollars, here's a quote from him. Now, you can con someone of any level of education or any level of intellect... If you can activate two things, fear, you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Oh no, I missed Bitcoin. I'm gonna, I'm never gonna, look, that's FOMO, okay? Or the non-fungible tokens or something like that. That's FOMO, fear of missing out. I've gotta buy this, I gotta do this now. Cons will get you. If they can get you to have fear or this other thing, Greed, and you will fall for something. But as we grow spiritually, we get a desire for what? The Word of God. That's our desire. So it exposes other things that people are trying to say because the Word of God will help us grow. The Bible said, if ye have tasted, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's the emphasis. He's bringing the, the, the Christians back to their remembering of God's grace, the grace of salvation, the grace where God said, hey, that's not the way to do it after we tried it five or six times and we finally realized, oh, let me try God's way. I've tried my way. Have you ever been on the fence about something? Have you ever been stuck on a real fence? Have you ever been stuck in the chain link fence with a pair of jeans that gets hemmed up in the fence? And then it's very uncomfortable, okay? It's like a guil guil guillotine, a guillotine, but it's coming up instead of going down, okay? That's what a chain link fence is, okay? And so living on that fence is no good. You've got to go to one side or the other if you have friends. It's a blessing because they can, you know, rip you off. And so to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Then he said, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So when we're living in a crisis, one thing we ought not do is keep things bottled up. And that's why Peter said, lay aside, you know, when crazy stuff happens, you might be like the incredible Hulk. Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Well, Peter said, you know what? Instead of the Incredible Hulk, there's another way to go about this, okay? Lay aside the way that if these people were getting houses taken away. They were getting thrown in jail. This is the people that Peter were writing to. Were writing to. They were scattered abroad. Now, I've never faced that where you had to just like leave in your car and someone else takes your house. 
This was happening to Christians. And he said, lay aside all this bad... Well, I'm going to get those people. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, get a bow and arrow because they didn't have sniper rifles and I'm just going to you know, take care of them. He said, no, that's not how we're going to respond to that. We have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. When someone does us wrong, we can do them right because what God has done in our life. So the Bible says, instead of doing all that, what can we do? Well, we can do something else. We can offer up spiritual sacrifices. We just need an outlet for all that energy we need an outlet and god says there is something we can do because if you keep stuff bottled up it'll just blow right so when i was in hong kong my grandparents stayed with us and then they left you remember alka-seltzer those two tablets remember what the ad was plop plop because that's you drop them into water so there's sodium bicarbonate and calcium citrate i think and so when they when they react with water it creates all that fizz right so you could either put them they were like for stomach aches and stuff like that well you could put them in water or you could just be like me and put them in your mouth and look in the mirror so that's what i did i might have put plop 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 i might have put four in there okay and i don't know if i took some water and i just looked in the mirror it didn't swallow don't try this at home please because you'd probably get sick right and what happened was it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and and it blew out all over the sink and everything else. Why? Because it wouldn't stay bottled up. Well, he said, preacher, well, I've got something inside me and it just won't stay bottled up. Well, it doesn't have to be malice. It doesn't have to be guile. It doesn't have to be hypocrisy. What can come out when we're in a crisis? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, by him, by Christ, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually worship is a position not only of our heart but really of our body it's just worshiping god and it defines what that is it says the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name and you know you can you can spend some time praying if you spend some time praying you'll feel aired out or say preacher but what else why don't you pray the bible says in the book of james chapter 5 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah, he prayed and it didn't rain. Then he prayed again and it rained. Uh, and it says he was subject to like passions like we are. He wasn't just like someone that went around saying, bless you everybody, I'm so spiritual, I never raise my voice. You know, he, did, he wasn't like that. Uh, Peter and Paul, or Paul rather, when he was... He said, we're, we're, we're just like you. We, we go through things. We face things. We're regular folks. But he prayed earnestly. You know, God can use that passion. We just need to direct it towards God. And uh, I've, I've shared this before. When you pray, God will do two things. And I remember Tim Tebow saying this. He said, God will either answer that prayer or take the desire out of my heart. You know, because we, we all know he's been trying to get back into professional sports and different things. But he's confident. He's like, if God's not going to answer that prayer, he's going to take that desire out of my heart. And before I read that for Tim Tebow saying that, uh, I've said that, I've said that God's either going to answer that prayer, he's going to change the circumstance, or he's going to change you. And you know, sometimes that's what God changes. And he leaves you in that circumstance. And uh, sometimes he does both. Sometimes he leaves you in the circumstance and changes it. Like when? Like those... Three Hebrew men that were thrown into the fire. They didn't get delivered. They said, hey, God can deliver us, but if not, we're not going to bow. 
So they got thrown in the fire, but they got thrown in, but also they got protection when they were in the fire. So they got both things answered at once, right? So God is faithful. The Bible says, verse 6, wherefore it also it is contained in the scripture. So this is kind of a semi Uh, not a quote, but it's similar to Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. So he's kind of maybe recounting it from memory. So it's not a direct quote. It said, behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, speaking of Jesus Christ, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. That's an altar. It's a bench. I believe it. I believe in it. But to believe on it's a little bit different. If I put my weight on it, that's a little bit different than believing in it. Now I'm trusting it to hold me up. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said the devils believe there's one God. They tremble. The devils believe in God, but they don't believe on God to hold their life up. And one of, the, one of the most wonderful things is when we can make that switch in our mind and say, God, I believe in you, but I believe on you. I'm going to cast all my cares, which is from the epistle of Peter, upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. God will hold you up. That's, that's I believe, in Proverbs. So. Verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe... He is precious. Why? Because our desire is there. But unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were also whereunto also they were appointed. So the Jews rejected Christ, but he was still crucified and made as the focal point of salvation. And really in here, it's sharing a truth that as we grow, Jesus can either be a stumbling block or a stepping stone. And you know, it's so true that a crisis in our life, it can cause us to fall on our face, but it can also cause us to take a step up. And, uh, you know, there have been uh, so many people that they have this kind of this epiphany. You know, they have something crazy happen and they're like, this is uncomfortable. We've got to change. And they make a change. When do they make the change? In the crisis. Because when things are going well, you just kind of roll with it, right? Just like Steve Winwood, He said, roll with it, baby. But when things go crazy, you're like, hey, wait a second. Something has to change here. You know, we've got to change our marriage or we've got to change our finances or uh, maybe uh, they, you know, like a couple that I heard about, you know, we've got to change. We've got to change our relationship with God. We've got to change. And we decide to grow. It's a decision of how the crisis affects us. I didn't start to change my diet until my pants begin to shrink because my wife began to wash them too many times. Put them in the dryer. No, of course not. I was just getting, I was getting some extra girth, right? It wasn't the pants. It wasn't those pants that were making me look fat. It was me. I was fat. 
It was beginning to grow. It's like, preacher, but you're always this or you're always that. No, I wasn't always that. But it was that crisis I was brought to a point that said, you know what? Either I, I had these bigger pants out, the size up pants with the stretch waistband. And I was like, woohoo. I was even like, I think I remember like feeling the waistband. It stretches even more, more than the size up, right? And I had this epiphany, epiphany like a light came on. Now, I like what one man said. He said, it's not the epiphany, it's what you do with it. And so I had this light come on that said, if I buy these, I am quitting. I'm basically saying that's just the way that it's going to be. And I remember there were a lot of pants because it was a thrift store. Because I wasn't buying fat man pants, new. I was going to buy them from the thrift store. I think they were like four bucks, right? So I remember having to push the pants out of the way to jam them back in there. And I made up my mind. I, I don't know if my wife remembers that day, but it was my crisis, right? I said, I am not doing that. I'm going to go and lose some waste, right? So I didn't need to lose any weight. I was a skinny guy with a little, little, like, uh, a little, little like life preserver around the middle. Okay, that's what I was. But... It was made in a crisis. And you know, I'm just sharing that because we can all make a decision and it became a stepping stone of a change in my life. And that was what, 10 years ago? Goodness, I'm a lot older now. So uh, I got five minutes, but we're gonna hit these two verses of scripture. God, and, and we begin to shift. So the in making decisions, and it really occurs in verse 11 and 12, we're not gonna get to, but you notice a perspective. God changes our perspective on how we look at things. And when we change the way we look at things, it can change the way we act. Notice, says, you know, like someone says, let me tell you who you are. But they usually say bad things, right? But here's what Peter said. But ye are. Let me tell you what you are. That's what Peter said. You're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what you are. And then he says in verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, even in the crisis. And sometimes you need to be reminded of who you are. Isn't that what Simba was reminded of who he was? He said, Simba, you have forgotten who you are. Because you have forgotten me. You know, and he was looking at his dad, Mufasa, I think. And uh, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, that was like a God moment for Simba, right? And he was a lion because Jesus is talked about as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So, uh, but it says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Just because I'm going through something, where I am does not mean who I am. And you know, you can be down financially, but I don't like to use that word poor because I can be broke, but I'm not poor because Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory of Christ Jesus. I'm a person of God. I'm a child of the King. The Bible says, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So I got about two minutes, a chosen generation. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 16, "Ye have not chosen me. I have chosen you. God didn't pick you like the last guy on the team. You ever been picked for a team and you weren't very good? And you're like one of the last like five guys and the captains go like, 
we don't care who gets these guys. I mean, you can have them all, right? That's not the way God chose us. Jesus chose us by name, called us by name. He wants you on his team. And the Bible said that we should go and bring forth fruit and that our fruit would remain. Also, we're a royal priesthood. What's a priest? Preacher, I thought you were the priest. No, a priest is a go-between. The priest is between man and God. That's why Jesus is our great high priest. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession before us. He speaks to God the Father on our behalf. And let me tell you, he's a good lawyer. You want Jesus. He can get you off anything. Really, he can. Right? Well, I got Morgan and Morgan. They say size matters. Well, look, Jesus Christ, the heavens are his throne and the earth are his footstool. I got better than Morgan and Morgan. Okay, I got Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we are, we are priests. Do you know that God uses you as a go-between to bring men and women to God? You're that priest. The Bible said you're a priesthood. You chew on that for a little while. You don't even have to be Catholic, but you're a priest, okay? And holy nation, you're a holy nation. We're set aside for God. That means to be set apart, set aside for God. And about a minute left, a peculiar people. I like that. Yeah, you Christians are peculiar. No, that means purchased, right? Have you ever looked at your purchased, like on your Google Play or your, uh, your Apple Store? You can see what you've purchased. Well, the Bible says, for you're bought with a price in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. And it says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why? Because we belong to God. And so we're going to begin to deal with how we act as travelers and citizens next week. So I'll leave you with this. This soldier was asked by an officer, so an enlisted soldier, Soldier, do you have change for a dollar? And the soldier kind of digs through his pocket. He goes, hey, sure, buddy. And the officer bristles and said, that's no way to address an officer. Let's try that again. Soldier, do you have change for a dollar? And the soldier went to attention. Sir, no, sir. (laughs) God bless you as our prayer. Let's dismiss in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to make decisions to grow spiritually. And God, that you will be with us every step of the way. And that this crisis, whatever it may be, will be a stepping block for our life, for our time in this earth for our marriage even for our finances that it can come out on top in jesus name amen god bless you is our prayer